Hello and welcome to another edition of Childhood Remastered. This is the podcast where we look back on the cartoons and movies and TV shows of our youth to see if they're still worth a damn. Or not? Or not, because, you know, that's all too often the case. Uh, I'm Sean. And I'm Chris. And today we are going to do a Sean, Sean request. request. Yeah, I, I decided. Because I had a Chris request, so we got a Sean request. Yeah, I this, this, is, a, this is a show that... Uh, I've been wanting to tackle for a little bit because uh, I just had a feeling that it was going to be terrible to go back and rewatch, and I was I was a little surprised, and not, a little not, and a little not. So uh, the episode where the show that we're covering this week is Captain N, the Game Master. Welcome to Video Land. Welcome to Castle It's Congo Land. Mother Brain will get you, little princess. Princess, the palace is under siege. Behold, the ultimate warp zone. So before we get into it, do we want to explain what this show is in concept, and then we can talk about what we remember? Sure. This this show in concept is just a giant advertisement for Nintendo. Um, it, it is. You know, I talked about. I talked about. Uh, Toyeticism. Yeah, I, I talked about, about being street... the worst ever for Street Sharks. <laughs> yeah. Really? Uh, you think it was the worst? Well, Toyeticism. I have to say, if you're if you're selling toys, if you're actually selling action figure toys. Yes, Street Sharks is the worst one we've ever seen. But in terms of just selling things, uh, this one is pretty bad too. So what what the uh, the concept behind the show is is that you have Kevin Keane, who is a uh, human kid. He's like sixteen or seventeen, and he gets pulled into Video Land by Princess Lana, who is looking for a savior to help you know, save her, her, her kingdom. From... It's a universe propagated by a bunch of random quote video worlds yeah. that are different video game lands and they can portal from one to the other. And yeah. each episode is a sort of adventure of the week where they solve a new problem, they go save into a new kingdom, land. Yeah. whatever it is. And so they go on adventures and try to same video game land. And, and he's the prophesized one to do that. Yeah. And he uses, uh, he utilizes tools that came with the uh, original Nintendo. So he has a controller that he uses to control that his movement. That he wears movement. as a belt. And he has a zapper that he uses to dispatch Street Justice. It's the Nintendo light gun, the yeah. orange and white light gun. So, with that said, what do you remember? I remember I remember loving this show, honestly. Like I, a lot? Like a lot. Uh, I mean, it was, at the time it came out, which was the late 80s, early 90s. 89. 89. I was, I was what, six? Yeah. Six, it was like six to eight. And I had a Nintendo, and I played a lot of these same yeah. Nintendo games. So this show, like you nerded out oh, hard. This show, hard. yeah, it, it, it's probably one of the earliest examples of me nerding out on something. I did, I did start watching Star Trek when I was very young, and I nerded out on that. But I definitely, it, it was a, it was a unique thing I think to me because it was something where I could play a game. And then I could go watch this show and they would interact with the characters from that game. And to my young eyes, it didn't seem weird. It almost that... felt like you were interacting with these characters in a weird roundabout way. Yeah, and it didn't seem weird because the characters don't look the same. They don't all look the same. Like there's a character Mega Man, there's a character Kid Icarus, there's Simon Belmont. They don't look the same as they do like on the box art and in the games. They're, they're different colors, they're different designs but i knew who they were so the game the show made me appreciate the games more and the games made me appreciate the show more and it just it's it's one of those things where it seemed like the continuing adventures of mega man and kid icarus and simon belmont and all the other characters that are in the that are in this show so it was i loved this show when i was younger and i just i had this feeling that because i loved it so much when i was younger that it was actually just going to wind up being terrible <laughs> 
Because <laughs> I was so yeah. blinded by how much I liked the show. I had a... You know what? I'm probably in the same boat. I I loved the show a lot. And I nerded out on it pretty hard. And, and I have very vivid memories of specific episodes. And... Mm-hmm. Playing the game and then watching the show and then watching the show and then playing the game and going back and forth. And I do remember, I remember at that age thinking this is probably a big giant commercial. At six years old thinking <laughs> this is a big Nintendo commercial. If I thought and that, man, I didn't care. No, I and, I did, and I didn't care. <laughs> I didn't care. And now it's been, uh, you know, almost 30 years now. Really, it has. It really has. It's 29 years and... That's what I remembered of it too, is that probably it was going to be a big, giant, awful commercial. And, and I thought, well, let's, let's see where this goes. Hey, sometimes they give out commercials or commercials. They give out awards for commercials. I think they're called Clio's. So sometimes commercials can be fun. I mean, that's the most, that's oftentimes the most entertaining part of the Super Bowl, right? So that's right. Sports some, ball. Sports some, ball. Sometimes commercials can be entertaining and fun and, and worth the effort to sit down and look at them. So that's true. So with that said, this is a U.S. Canadian animated series first aired September 9th, 1989 and ran until October 26th of 1991. It aired on NBC as part of their Saturday morning cartoon lineup, which I don't remember a whole lot of what was on there at the time. I don't either. But I watched this show on Saturday morning, so I must have watched Channel 4 because that's our NBC here in in Southern California. I must have watched it. I must have too. I don't. I just don't remember what was on their Saturday morning schedule. I remember. I remember CBS Saturday morning cartoons, and I remember like Channel Nine Saturday morning cartoons. Because oh, that Channel was usually like Dragon Ball yeah. and stuff. And then we had the the WB Kids yeah, uh, later 5. on in the nineties. Yeah. And ABC had like reboot and recess yep, that kind yep, of stuff yep. on. And then Fox had the Fox Box, but I don't remember exactly. Yeah, I don't remember NBC's at all. What NBC had. Well, in any of But obviously we watched it. Yeah. So now this had technically 34 episodes. I say technically because some of the episodes in season three are cut up edited episodes from earlier seasons, but not all of them. Yep. And we'll get into that later. Mm-hmm. This is produced by Nintendo of America, which is the American subsidiary of Nintendo. It was the the branch of Nintendo that dealt with sales, marketing, and advertising. And then eventually, it sort of became uh, a much bigger part of Nintendo later. Now, I was going to ask you this as a question and a trivia thing, but you already wrote it down in the notes, so I know you already know. Oh, okay. <laughs> Nintendo started out its uh, its history back in, ni- or in 1889, actually, as a playing card company. Yeah, so- it did. And, and that... Um, that's actually really kind of cool. It it was a mostly a, a playing card company until I want to say the the nineteen fifties or the nineteen yeah, sixties. Uh, I don't remember the exact the exact date on that, but I mean it was um, uh, 56, 1956. So the the word Nintendo itself can be translated as leave luck to heaven or also. The Temple of Free Hanafuda, which is the card game that it it used to make and sell cards for. So it makes sense that it was a card company. Yeah. It did kind of get into early electronics in 1974, but it wasn't until the Nintendo Entertainment System and the Game & Watch that that came along. Game & Watch, if you don't exactly know what it's from it was a handheld video game think think the tiger games yeah kind of like the tiger games and it was its first sort of big success if you've if you play video games and you've played the smash brothers game series mr game and watch is a character in that if you wondered where he came from that's that's where he came from yeah exactly and then of course we had nintendo and the giant thing of Mario's success and all that other stuff. And this this show kind of came out at the height of that mm-hmm. around the same time that the Super Mario Brothers uh, live action film came out. I believe that came out in 1990, I want to say. I thought it was later, but it did. It was around it's the, like 1990, 91. Yeah, it was around the same time as the because cartoon. Who's, I know that Who for Framed sure. Roger Rabbit came out right before that. And it was that movie that got uh, Bob Hoskins the role of Mario. 
So it, this sort of came out at like prime Nintendo toyetic. 1993 was that movie. Was it really? Yep. Oh, I'm thinking of the development. I think development yeah. started in 1990 or something. Um, but with that said, the Nintendo result, did not produce this it, really. It, it just it sort of licensed their product. It was actually Deke Entertainment. Yeah, Deke, and we've talked about them a bunch. Deke has done shows like The Littles, Pole Position, Dino Saucers. Pole Position, can I just say, has one of the best intro musics of all. Like, sorry, it's definitely one of the best ones of the 80s. Yes, one of the best ones of the 80s. Pole Position! Yeah. There are some other shows that it did that are not great. Like Hulk Hogan's Rock and Wrestling, I'm yeah. pretty sure it's not good. I I don't remember it. The Adventures of Teddy Ruxpin. Hey, you you die in a fire. You're gonna diss my Teddy Ruxpin. <laughs> Jason the Wheeled Warriors, not great, but Mask, that's awesome. Ring Raiders is is sort of an odd show. Captain Planet, uh, New Kids on the Block, Pro Stars. Now, if you don't know Pro Stars, that's Michael Jordan and Wayne Gretzky as superheroes. Oh, it's God. very weird. And then Sherlock Holmes in the 22nd Century. Double Dragon and Mummies Alive. There's some. They had some weird and st- our good friend Street Sharks. Yeah, they also on there. They also did the Super Mario Super Show. So that might have been what their in was. Actually, I think this show came out. No, no, Super Mario Super Show came out before the this show, I believe, because it was it started getting paired with later incarnations of that show later on in its in its uh, in its run. I think. Yeah, I think that this debuted. December of 89. Mm-hmm. So it came out the same year, just a little bit later. Yeah. Uh, the character of Captain N, he first appeared in the Nintendo Power magazine. Now, if, you, if you're if you of a certain age, you know what Nintendo Power was. But if you're not... It's gone. Yeah, now. if you're not, then uh, Nintendo Power was a magazine that Nintendo put out that gave out him, hints, tips, and tricks. And, and, and maps. And maps. Which was super, like, super important for the games like... Metroid or Legend of Zelda. Yeah, they also they also uh, the magazine also had industry stories about Nintendo, previews of games that Inside were coming out, stuff about new games, which is kind of cool because you could go back and they would talk about uh, games that didn't end up coming out. Yeah, or games that were changed drastically, and they had like a uh-huh. preview of them, and then like, like Super a... Mario Two is yep. a good example of that. Yeah. So uh, the character was created by a Nintendo staff member and a magazine editor named Randy Stuttered, who he presented Nintendo with a formal proposal that included the character as a company spokes character, so sort of taking the place of Mario. This is Captain so, kind N. Of, sort of, yeah. And if you if you haven't got it yet, Captain N stands for Captain Nintendo. They actually changed the name specifically for this show from Captain Nintendo to Captain N yeah. because they thought it might be considered too toyetic. Too much. It's too much. So uh, I'll tell you when I've had enough. <laughs> Yeah, the the uh, the show or the the proposal had the uh, the characters as a company spokes character, the origin and premise, and the Saturday morning cartoon as a, as a sort of an entire package of marketing, and he, he presented this to Nintendo, and Nintendo said, okay. Let's run with it. Yeah. Well, originally in, in in the original story, Captain N was a Nintendo employee, and the mother brain was a piece of programming from a Nintendo game pack that was infused in an explosion with experimental organic, quote, ROMs that (laughs) went rogue. And then he sort of uh, would... Captain N could then have the power to give temporary life to characters from the games. Mm -hmm. And then the story that he wrote left left room for a sequel. And so they said, well, we like this idea of a character being involved in the game world, but we don't necessarily want it to be that so they sort of reworked it and when they did they took his ideas and created the series and decided to not give him credit yay yay because that's how they do is that is that like a thing with uh with big animation companies or big big companies in general like i could see disney doing that or warner brothers doing that it just well yeah because they don't they want to look like they're the ones who came up with it i'm a genius well, apparently they're not because uh, we got season three of this show. Yeah, we'll talk about that <laughs> in a minute. So with that said, the producers are Andy Hayward. He's the executive producer. And Andy Hayward, actually, I just want to just quickly mention his dad used to be used to be VP of Hanna-Barbera. And then he uh, ran and owned Deke and sold it later. Uh, the other producers are Michael Maliani, John Grust, and Jamie Edland. 
And Jamie Edlin did the live action sequences, but really it's just like one live action sequence that yeah, I remember. There was a there was a, an episode where Kevin gets shot back to the real world and he has to come back. So I think there was like one other one aside from the intro sequence. But yeah, uh, the writers for this show the first season, it's the and, same guy. Yeah. And that's what's that's what's kind of nice is you had one guy writing every episode of season one. And that man was Jeffrey Scott. And uh, he was actually hired for the job because Jim Henson convinced Phyllis Tucker Vinson of his strengths because he had written Muppet Babies. So Which got- is a show I'm really excited for us to get to watch because uh, they just announced that they're bringing back Muppet Babies. Oh my god. They're going to redo Muppet Babies. It's going to be a new... Uh, relaunching. Are they going to create another new or another original character like Skeeter was? Maybe. Uh, oh yes, actually they are. There is a, a female character and she's purple. Oh, interesting. Uh-huh. Um, season two and three of this show was done by multiple. Uh, every episode had like two writers after that point, multiple co-writers. So we're not going to get into all of them, but it is important to note that the first season, probably the most cohesive story wise was written by Jeffrey Scott. And I want to bring him up a little bit later uh, when we're talking about the characters because okay. because there's there's something it's it's just a it's a weird thing with him with the characters. So, I mentioned Michael Maliani, he not only produced season 1 and supervised produced the second season, but he also was the director for season 1. Chuck Patton directed season 2 and the same producer for season 3 is also the director that's John Gruse. And he so, can take all the blame yes <laughs> for that terrible season. Now when you listen to the music, the background music, you can definitely tell this is another Haim Saban Shuki Levy composition yeah the intro there's not really intro music as you heard at the beginning it's sort of just like an overview of the story yes and you can tell that the music changes in season two and three because it's michael tavera it does not sound like like a saban levy sort of product anymore i want to well i wanted to bring up the sound because much like the uh the legend of zelda cartoon that we watched a lot of the sound effects in this show were, I feel like they were pulled directly from video games. There yeah, were, I think they sampled the MIDI files. Yeah, and, and it's it's very obvious that these are video game sounds. And there are also a couple of things. If you've watched a lot of these cartoons that, that Deke has produced, uh, I was reading that that uh, they used a lot of stock sounds from Deke. Like there were, there were some parts where I swear I heard a proton pack. And I heard, oh yeah, I no, heard like absolutely. other like bloops. I like, heard the photon pack sound for sure. Yeah, and and so which they, explains it because Deke, right? Yeah, so. so so Deke went into their sound effect archive and they they started using whatever sounds for this. Let's talk about the cast. Uh, the cast is kind of separated into two groups. You have the heroes, and then you have the agents of chaos, and then you also have like a couple other rando characters. The heroes are all of our main characters. Uh, it starts with Kevin Keane, who is Captain and the Game Master. He's portrayed by Dorian Barag in the live action parts. And he's voiced by Matt Hill in the animated parts. And like we were saying earlier, the, the live action part was basically the first episode, which was filmed specifically to tie it into the intro. Like the same scenes happen in the first episode that happen in the intro. He gets sucked into the TV. Right. They Yeah, the, the intro for the show for the first season is a super cut from the first episode. Matt Hill is also the voice of Jab in Street Sharks, my favorite. And he's also the voice of Ed in uh, Ed, Ed, and Eddie. Yeah, we talked about him back uh, two weeks ago when we did the episode. Princess Lana was voiced by Venus Terzo who was in the Canadian drama Da Vinci's Inquest from 98 to 2005. Actually, she's pretty well known for that. And she's Black Arachnia from both Beast Wars and uh, the later uh, Transformers series uh, that use Black Arachnia. Hmm. Yeah. I have, and I have to say that she is a very bodacious 80s babe. I thought so at the time when it came out. I still thought so as much as you can be attracted to an animated character. She was still quite bodacious More ways about stuff. Yeah. Especially in the episodes that featured her in like workout gear in the short shorts and the crop top. Oh. In the the Olympics one and the one directly after that. Uh, There's also Duke which is is Kevin's dog who comes in with him and he's an actual dog. He is not voiced by... He is not voiced by Frank Welker. I know, it's crazy. 
It's crazy. It is voiced by a person, though. And uh, that person is Tom Wright, who was in the animated TV show G.I. Joe. And he was in stuff like Captain Zed and the Z-Zone and Camp Candy, the, the animated Camp series. Camp Candy, oh my god. Yeah. Uh, he hasn't really done a whole lot other... He hasn't done a whole lot of other projects other than that. But yeah. but he did do The Dog. Yeah. Uh, now, with that said, um, I'm going to skip ahead really quick because we do have a character here voiced by Frank Welker, and that's Game Boy, who debuted in the first episode of the second season. And he's literally a giant floating Game Boy. That can, like, materialize physical stuff out of his screen. Out of the screen. It's very weird. Yeah. It's almost kind of uh, poltergeist-ish. Yeah, and... But, and <sighs> I get frustrated with his character because he's he's supposed to be sort of childlike, but the whole purpose, the whole reason that his character is there is they in the beginning of season two they were trying to get Princess Lana's father because that's the whole point of the that's like the whole overarching theme story of the show is that they're trying to get Princess Lana's father back from the mirror dimension where he's been trapped by Mother Brain. And in the first episode of the second season, they found a way to get him out of there. That's like some special warp zone that they're going to get him out of there. So the warp zone opens and instead of him stepping through, the king pushes Game Boy through because he thinks that he would be Game Boy would be of more use to the end team than he would the king of Videoland coming back and reclaiming his throne. What? Talk about convenient plot device. Well, maybe maybe he's senile. <laughs> he is he is significantly older than you would think he would be. Lana yeah. looks like she's like seventeen or eighteen. She actually looks like she might be like sixteen or seventeen, and he looks like he's in his seventies. Yeah, so it's a sort of Hugh Hefnery thing. Yeah, the other characters that round out the uh, the end team, the heroes. You have Simon Belmont from Castlevania, who is voiced by Andrew Cavadas. I love that he's Arthur King from King Arthur and the Knights of Justice. <laughs> I am King Arthur. And he was also in Mommy's Alive. <laughs> and he's uh, Celine's father, actually, in Underworld Evolution. That's the, the second one. Nice. Yeah. And, the, the, and some other stuff. But the, the, yeah. thing that's, the thing that's kind of interesting and funny about the character of Simon Belmont is he is, at, at times, he is a coward. And at times, he is a primping and preening narcissist. And at other times, he's a bumbling idiot. And at other times, he's legitimately brave. Yeah. and It's like his character... The writers didn't know what to do with his character. Yeah, because you have a vampire hunter from a family of vampire hunters who uses a whip and fights monsters. Like, out of all the characters in the show, he's the one that actually encounters the most legitimately like dangerous dangerous stuff. stuff as a character and he is the most useless yeah a lot of times he's he's pretty useless he spends a lot of time like like i said primping and preening in a mirror and he has a backpack he's often actually used as a comic relief yeah uh relief character i i thought it was interesting that that simon belmont's character like the evolution of his character throughout the show in the first season so in the first episode we when Kevin gets there, he is the sort of resident hero oh, of yeah. video game world. He is the guy. Yeah. And Kevin shows up, steals all of his thunder, and he's not happy about it. Uh-huh. And then the rest of the show is him sort of mildly being jealous of Kevin and bungling up at every stage of the game because of that, or occasionally being a hero by accident, or or whatever. But by the time you get to the third season, he's in he's either not in episodes, mm-hmm. which we'll talk about later. Or he is completely and utterly useless yeah. and serves no purpose. Even in the episodes where the background characters and the villains are his background characters and villains, he serves no purpose. Yeah. And and we can talk about that because a lot of things happen in season three that are really just hard to explain. Um, Kid Icarus is the next character. And if you don't know who Kid Icarus is, he... well. There was a game called Kid Icarus. The character's not actually called Kid Icarus. He's called Pit. But Kid I- he's called Kid Icarus in this. And uh, Kid Icarus is a small flying cherub? Angel? Yeah. Something like okay, that. We'll say that. He's yeah. uh, he's a uh, an archer from the game Kid Icarus. He's voiced by Alessandro Giuliani, who was Felix Gaeta from the early 2000s Battlestar Galactica. He's actually the, the one who lost his leg, worked on the bridge with Adama, if... 
you don't know who that is, I'm going on a tangent. Go ahead. Yeah. I'm sorry. Uh, he's also Emile Hamilton in uh, Smallville, and he's currently Sinclair on The 100. He played uh, Gambit in X-Men Evolution and Night Scream on uh, Beast Machines. And he ju- he dubbed the voice of L from Death Note. And and I will say that I've heard his dub of L, and it's actually really good. Yeah, and Kid Icarus in the show is probably one of the more annoying characters. You told me before we even watched it that you were irritated by his voice. Yeah, because I remembered his voice because he tends to end a lot of words with Icarus. My arrows will stop that Apicus Maximus. Let me go, Icarus! Kavinicus? Hey, thanks, Kavinicus. You're a pretty good game master after all. The games are being held on my world, so I should be on the Boxicus. So yes. he'll be like, and his voice will be going Come on, like, princess, princess Kavinicus. It's like it changes yeah. for no reason. Yeah, almost he, like he's always going through puberty. Yeah, and he's diminutive, and he's he's really sensitive about how small he is. He tends to argue with Mega Man a lot. He seems to have a lot of Deus Ex Machina arrows. He does. He's like, you know what he's like? He's like Green Arrow. He's like Green Arrow from DC Comics because he has all these trick arrows. He doesn't that just... do sh- random things. Yeah, Buzzsaw does- arrows and yeah. whatever. Scissor arrows. Uh, sp- Pit, by the way, the, the character, mm-hmm. it's, as a side thing, it's kind of interesting. One, those games are tough. They are. They're really hard. Like, legitimately hard. And they're good. But two... There was a really long period of time where, ne- where Nintendo neglected the franchise. Like, oh, yeah. An ex- like a massively obscene amount of time. And then he got put in as a side character in Smash Brothers and people loved him. And so then they brought him back and now he has games and stuff again. So he's popular again, but only because he was brought in as a side character. But this is at a time when he was a big deal and everybody knew who Pitt was. Yeah. Wasn't there a game that came out, not recently, but fairly recently, where it was kind of like Panzer Dragoon, where it was like a rail shooter with, with him? Or maybe that was like a concept that I saw. Maybe it was a... I don't remember. I remember seeing a video of essentially him flying around like Panzer Dragoon, like like targeting enemies and shooting them with bows and arrows. Uh, I, I know that the, the, the game that he had that came out came out on the, the 3DS in uh, 2012. Mm. So. It's probably not the one I'm thinking of. Maybe I just saw like concept video for something. Uh, speaking of Mega Man, he is the last character that rounds out the end team. And Mega Man is from Mega Man. Not hard to uh, figure that one out. It's too confusing for me. Yeah, Mega Man also has a strange speech picadillo where he tends to throw the word Mega in everywhere. Mega power, my mega buddy, my mega sensors in all mega mega diversions. Mega stronger than a mega warp have enough mega power to mega move it. A mega monstrous castle. It's that's mega awesome. Yeah, that's a mega disappointment. And he has this stupid, terrible voice that is like Frank Welker. Yeah, it's super gravelly. And no, actually, oh, sorry, sorry. He's not voiced by Frank Welker. You're right. You I'm, think I'm wrong. He, you'd think that he would be voiced by Frank Welker. He's actually voiced by Doug Parker, who's Pterosaur from Beast Wars, and he's Bad Rap and Spitter in uh, and Hacks in the Street Sharks. Those are the 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 Raptors. Yeah. And Mega Man is the muscle of the show. Yeah, he is probably the smallest character on the show. Maybe he's the same size as as Kid Icarus. But he is super strong. He has blasters in his gauntlets. He doesn't have like a like an X blaster or just the Mega Blaster like Mega Man does. He has a little he has little like slots on his hand or on his wrist where he shoots bullets out. And he just says, I mean, he's kind of a useless character. He's he's, he's yeah. He's, his he design is. is very different from uh from the show or from the from the game because in Mega Man the game he's blue and in this one they made him green for some reason. Yeah, I think they just took creative licensing. Now let's get into the villains because we have Mother Brain who is from Metroid. Yep. And her depiction uh, I guess it's a her. I, I yeah. always thought it was a her, but her depiction in the show is very different than the depiction in the game. Like not even remotely close. Yeah, Mother Brain in the game was just a brain. Yeah, it's a brain the, in a jar. <laughs> well, that's sort of what this is, but it's like it talks, and the, I will say the voice is uh, Levi Stubbs, who is the lead singer of the Four Tops, was. and the voice of was, uh, and the voice of Audrey Two from the film version of Little Shop of Horrors. Yes, feed me, Seymour. I love his voice. Yeah, and he has it's a super great iconic. Voice. It's one of the few things that I could 
sort of close my eyes and remember back and and actually hear in my head from my childhood. Yeah, I don't know if it's a if it's haunting in my nightmares or is in my I, I don't know what. But he does a great job. That yeah. I feel like his voice like makes this character. Now, Mother Brain has two regular henchmen. She actually has three people on her team, but two of her her lackeys. Uh, the first one is King Hippo from Punch Out, and he's important because he is the person uh, in the intro. And in the first episode, Kevin is playing Punch Out. I was going to say, I don't know if you picked that up because it's yeah. like, I, I don't, I don't want to sing the song, but there's a, a YM, uh, there's a You're the Man Now Dog meme from like the early 2000s, the oh. Stole My Bike one. Yeah. And, and it's that scene from the, from the game. Yeah. Um, his voice, Gary Chalk, uh, it, I actually think he does a great job here, but I cannot hear that voice and not think Optimus Primal from Beast Wars. I just can't. One I of the, can't do it. One of the few uh, one of the few iterations of Optimus Prime not voiced by uh, Peter Cullen. I know. And I love, actually, uh, Gary Chalk's Optim- uh, Optimus. He actually does a really good job. He was also Norris from Action Man, though. And a bunch of characters from the awful Sonic. And <laughs> Hooray! A bunch of characters from Reboot. And Spike and El Sordo from Street Sharks. And he was a bunch of characters from The Adventures of T-Rex, which was a sort of Blues Brothers-esque T-Rex show. Oh my god. That, yes, that's right. It's a real thing. And he, I'll put that one on the He's list. actually done live action stuff too. So he was Colonel Chekhov in Stargate SG-1. He was in Eureka and Arrow and MacGyver and Supernatural. And, well, damn. Uh, he, has a, he definitely has a type of show that he's good at. Yeah, I know. <laughs> sort of sci-fi comedy. Yeah. Sci-fi and comedy. The, the thing about King Hippo in the show is he... He has big droopy boobs. He has big it's fat so droopy gross. boobs. But he also is the muscle... Uh, he's shown at different times having different levels of strength, uh, sometimes enough to like pick up a building, sometimes enough to just be like a really strong guy and punch people out. But he is pretty dumb and he tends to care more about food or being lazy than he does actually doing his job, which makes for good comic relief. I guess. Yeah. Uh... King Hippo is almost always paired with the next character that is the Eggplant Wizard. And Eggplant Wizard is from Kid Icarus. He's and one no, of... he is not a giant emoji of a penis. But he is a giant eggplant man. Yes. And with one eye. With one eye. <laughs> Maybe he is a penis. <laughs> Maybe he is a penis. So Eggplant Wizard, he uses... I'm surprised you didn't think of that. I Because that's all of... I could think of when I was watching it. It's like, it's a giant eggplant with one eye. And yeah. he shoots out magic beams. He does. He's just a big dick. Yeah, he can he can like like in the game, he can turn people into eggplants. Uh he can also fire vegetables at people as as a form of like projectile weapon. Uh he has a bunch of a bunch of vegetables that he can use to turn into vehicles. Like at one point he throws a yeah. I thought it was a banana, but I think it was some kind of gourd, like a cucumber. He also or something. uses it to save himself sometimes. When something big or a bunch of things are gonna attack him, he'll turn those things into usually tomatoes. Mm-hmm. And so then they get pelted with pen- tomatoes, which King Hippo hates, but at least they live through it. Yeah. You know? And he uh he's the smarter of the two. But he's also more cowardly than King Hippo. He usually wants to run away. And when he worries or or sweats or is in danger, he tends to sweat vegetables. He'll yes. sweat full vegetables like like carrots and apples and 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 tomatoes and whatever will will just spontaneously shoot out of his body. It's very weird. Yeah. Yeah. And he's voiced by Michael Donovan. Now, Michael Donovan actually has done a ton of stuff. If you've seen the show Reboot, he was Fong, Mike the TV, Cecil, oh. and AI. He was also the lead character of Conan on Conan the Adventurer, the animated series. But he was Wolf Bronski in Exo Squad, which is the character that I, I always think of. And he was Sabretooth in X-Men Evolution and Grey Hulk in The Incredible uh, Hulk and She-Hulk. And Carnage in Spider-Man Unlimited. And actually a whole bunch of other stuff. He's done voiceover work for Inuyasha and Rama 1 Half. And the one that I that I was thinking of is Sai and Sage from Ronin Warriors. But, I mean, I, I, I've i got his list up here. Holy crap, he's done so much stuff. Uh, I'm, I just don't want to do it. I mean, Firehouse Tales and um, the Bots Masters and, uh, yeah, just Legend of Korra. And 
yeah, he's he's been a he's been a busy boy. Out so. of all the ones you mentioned, the one that I want to go back and rewatch now is Ronin Warriors. Uh, you know what? I actually started going back and rewatching that just because I wanted to. That's a that's a fairly old show. I want to say in Japan oh, that was yeah. out in like the eighties. Yes, it was like the yeah. mid eighties. Yeah, early. Yeah, 80s. I went back to watch it not that long ago. I I didn't get to get too far into it, but it, it's it's. You know, that show... It's something for us to cover. This is totally off topic, but now as I'm thinking about it, that show had a similar... This is our show. We can do it. Yeah, that show had a similar character arc for... uh, So, if I remember correctly, one of the bad guys in Ronin Warriors ends up becoming a good guy. Yes. The the bad ninja that had the the sickle and the... I forget what it's called. He was the leader. Yeah, it's the sickle that has the chain and the weight on it. He ends up becoming a good guy. Uh Uh-huh. And... When we were talking about Beast Wars earlier, the same thing happens because there's a Dinobot or whatever. There's a there's a predator. What were the bad guys called? There's a Dinobot. Uh, Oh, you're talking about the Velociraptor one. The Velociraptor, who's a bad guy that ends up coming onto the to the primal side. But he does that right off the bat in the first episode. Yeah, but he's a bad guy first, and then he comes over and then Black Arachnia does the same thing. She's bad the whole time, goes good later. So I don't know. Just. Popped in my head. Popped in your brain. Yep. There's another character. There's actually a bunch of villains, but the only one that I wanted to label really quick is Dr. Wiley because uh, he's in one of the episodes that we that we covered. It's Ian James Corlett, who was Cheetor from Beast Wars, Bob from Reboot, and Dr. Hiss from the Bots Masters. I will say that Ganon is vo- is voiced in this show, in one of the episodes that we watched, and it's Len it's, Carlson. Yeah, it's the same guy. It's the same guy. So it, he is here, mm-hmm. and also Link and Zelda from the original series are in this show more than once, and it's the same voice actors too, which is kind of cool, actually. Going back to Doctor Wily for a second, uh huh. Did you notice that he sounds like he has emphysema? Yes, he's like, <laughs> I want to, <sighs> like every time he talks, he breathes like he's dying. Yeah, it's very weird, and it makes for it makes for. He's speaking with a German accent, and it makes it even harder to understand him. Yes, it does. There's a bunch of other side characters we don't need to name. Uh, I I put two of them on here, but you know we we don't even need to talk about it. Yeah. So I don't know. Do you want to talk about some of the merchandising, or do you want to get into the show let's, itself? Let's talk about the show because we don't have to go into specifics of the episodes that we watched. But overall, as a rule, the show is. The show is a, it's like a monster or problem of the week type show. I do it's, just want to mention before we go in what episodes we did cover oh, yeah, and work. the rating. So the highest rated episode was season three, episode two B. Which makes no sense. Made no sense whatsoever. It's a 7.2 and it's the misadventures in Robin Hood Woods. Then I put a bonus episode in there. So it's the first episode and then also the... The other episode that is preceding the the sort of uh, Olympic Games one that mm-hmm. they did. The next episode that I put in here for us to watch, season one, episode five, Mega Trouble for Mega Land. It's a six nine. Quest for the Potion of Power is another six nine. That's season two, episode three. And then Having a Ball is season two, episode nine. That's a six eight. And lastly. The Fractured Fantasy of Captain N is a 3.6, and that's Season 3, Episode 6, B. And I would argue that that is not the worst episode that we watched, but actually the highest rated episode that we watched is the worst one. I, I feel like... It was awful. I feel it like was this... terrible. It was terrible. It was yeah. worse than Street Sharks. It was, it was really bad. I feel like this needs to be explained before we get into the show. So there are three seasons of this show. Season one, which is all written by the same guy and animated by one studio. Season Season two, two, which is animated by, I think, nine different people. Or animated. It's written by like nine different people and it's animated by a new studio. Yes. Now we should mention those studios because I think it's going to explain a lot. So the first studio, season one, is Dongyang Animation. And they did stuff like Ghostbusters, Batman the Animated Series, Mighty Max, Gargoyles, Superman the Animated Series, Animaniacs. So we're talking high 
quality animation. And the thing to remember about that is those, for the most part, are all action-oriented cartoons. Yes. They're all, they're all shows that, that involve characters doing things in dynamic ways. And it shows because the first season, the episodes are animated really well. They're, it's, it's fun to look at. The characters all have characterizations. Like they, they're all unique. They have details and, and things to pick out. Simon Belmont wears goggles and he has a giant backpack that, that's has like infinite capacity. Kid Icarus has rosy cheeks. Uh, Mega Man for the, for the like, you know, puke green color that he is, is fairly recognizable as Mega Man. Kevin has a fairly detailed like character design. They have a lot of, looks good. They have like, a lot of uh, sort of like little extra components on their clothing that, that require fine detail work. Yeah. It's just, it's just detail. Like they are detailed characters. They are yes. fully fleshed out characters, yes. both in terms of, in terms of, writing and in terms of uh well maybe not so much writing but at least in design they're fully fleshed I think out in too. some writing too yeah season two is done by a now defunct animation studio out of japan named spectrum animation and they did a bunch of episodes for batman including on leather wings which is one of the highest rated episodes as well as heart of ice which is the i believe the emmy award-winning episode mm-hmm. that they did and they also did animation for uh, i believe it was mask of the phantasm yep. so they did legitimately good action-oriented stuff and although their repertoire was much smaller yeah but season two still quality animation still quality work uh good-looking characters good-looking everything really then you get to season three where now, the the episode the episode structure changes. So let's explain that really quick. In season one, the show was a standalone show. Twenty two minutes. Twenty two minutes yeah. long. It was its own show. It was Captain N the Game Master that that played by itself. That was the show. Season two, they grabbed the Super Mario three show, and they kind made of it, bookend it like yeah. they did with Legend of Zelda. Stuff. Yeah, they but did. Still, 22 minute episodes. Yeah, it was done like in a, a one hour block. Yeah, it was like a power hour where they'd play Mario, I think, and then they'd play Captain N. So you had both shows at the same time. So they were linked up together, but it was still a 22 minute long episode. Season three is where it all goes to hell. Season three, it's still coupled with, I, at that point, it's Super Mario World. And the way that they did it is they would show one 11 minute episode of Super Mario World. Then they would show two 11 minute episodes of captain n and then they would end it with another 11 minute episode of mario brothers so in season three they chopped the episode length from 22 minutes to 11 minutes and really it's about 10 and a half minutes yeah so that involved creating new episodes that were much shorter much less complex and going back and re-editing some of the old episodes to make it fit the 11 minute cutoff yes now we need to talk. I'm just going to mention some of the projects that they've worked on. And I feel like it's going to explain everything before yeah. we even mention, get there. Yeah, mention the studio. So it's Plus One Animation. And they did stuff like Daria, Beavis and Butthead, okay, and King of the Hill. And there's one more I'm going to name in a second. But if you think of those and some of the other stuff they did, PB&J Otter and you know stuff like that the animation is not built around high action at all it's not even built around high movement no it's not it's absolutely not in fact i would argue that it's built against that Mm -hmm. and it almost looks weird when those characters do high movement the last show that i'm going to mention that they did even though there's a bunch of other stuff the last thing that they did was street sharks (laughs) And if that doesn't tell you all you need to know about the quality of the animation in season three, then you did not listen to our Street Sharks episode and you need to go back. Yeah. Because it's terrible. They are, they did an awful job here and they should be set on fire for what they did to the show because the show animation went from good and competent, although sometimes uh, problematic, were, but for the ir- most part good. To, holy shit, what is this dumpster fire? I've never seen anything this bad in my life, except for maybe that uh, Martin Short animated series. You know what it reminded me of? Uh, when we Back when we watched Tales from the Crypt Keeper. Oh, season, yes! Season one and two of that show were very clearly different animation than season three. 
And that's exactly what happened here. Season one and two, even though they switched animation studios, the, the, the designs of the characters stayed pretty much the same between season one and season two. When it got to season three, the designs for the characters were so drastically different. It wasn't like a few small changes. The actual, like, the way that the characters were built was different. They were structured physically different. Like they used a different skeleton model. Skeleton like the, Kid the Icarus's face... design changed completely. Well, Kevin and Kevin and uh, Lana's design changed entirely. They're unrecognizable as the same character. Well, I would say the design is the same, but the animation is so poorly done and all the detail is dropped that they look different. Simon Belmont loses his goggles and all kinds of extra stuff. Mother Brain is essentially just a lump of, of fleshy goo in a jar. I mean, it's it's very bizarre. I, I don't... In fact, not just those characters, but all the side characters look different too. Like, just rando people that that are in the episode are animated poorly. Mm-hmm. Like, deta- like, there's no detail in the hair. Okay. Nothing. I want to show you this. This is Kevin from season one. This is Kevin from season two. That's Kevin from season three. Yeah, it's, it's similar. Similar, but... You, but you, different. You've taken away... You've essentially gone from... A million polygons to a hundred. Yeah. In, in terms of their design, they're just they're very simple, simple designs. It's like a web comic almost. Yeah, like like a flash game. Yeah. Yeah, I would say like flash animation. So the the animation quality drops immensely, and it makes it hard to watch. Not only that, the writing for season three is so... It's atrocious. It's so drastically different and so much poorer, so much noticeably poorer than the rest of the show. I was reading some stuff last night. They tried to cram an entire 22-minute episode story arc into an 11-minute time frame and so they they it's like they wrote out the story arc and then they just edited out details so characters just show up like hey it's a good thing we have this key we found in the forest that you never showed them find in the forest yeah why why is that just just have the door be unlocked don't make this be a plot point like if you're not gonna go through the effort to show it i mean this is a cartoon show show don't tell yeah right? The thing that I noticed, and I read, I was reading about it last night too, as I was as I was lying in bed trying to get the uh, the idea of this show out of my head, or the idea of this season out of my head. So as I was as I was lying there reading about this, what you notice very very easily is that characters their their personality changes, and there were a couple episodes that we didn't watch the, in season three. There's only seven episodes in season three there are a couple episodes that we didn't watch that i was reading about where characters just don't act like themselves like there's an episode where uh kevin and Mega Man get in an argument and if you've watched this show kevin is very much about playing as a team and and working together and he's you know he's the quintessential like team player he he doesn't he doesn't have a big ego even in the episodes that we watched where he is working with link who who has an ego and is trying to like establish himself as I'm the hero here and not you, Kevin. Kevin's like, dude, I'm just here to help. Like, like don't, don't uh, like, don't take this the wrong way. I'm just, I'm here for you guys. It's your show. I'm just, I'm just the assist man right now. But in season three, he becomes selfish He's argumentative. He's kind of a jerk to people. And he's on a uh, thirst for power in one of the episodes. He wants he wants the kingdom. Well, that's because he's bewitched. Yeah, but he wanted it before. That's why he agreed to go along with the wizard who then bewitched him. Yeah. So, And there's other things too, like uh, Simon Belmont, like you said earlier, gets even more inept than he was. He, he, he becomes basically a buffoon. And uh, the other thing to... to to point out is, and I pointed this out to you when we were before we started recording, is that Deke was trying to cut costs on this show. Obviously, they cut and all it, the costs, and it's it's very apparent. And apparently, they were trying to focus more on, or the network was trying to focus more on their teen-oriented shows, like Saved by the Bell and shows like that. So they were spending less money to produce these cartoons that were more geared towards children. And in order to save some of that money. Deke and the production company started focusing the show more on Nintendo-only characters. They weren't using third-party characters. Because they didn't have to pay the licensing. Yeah, so 
you start seeing less and less of Mega Man, who's owned by Capcom, and less and less of, of Simon, Simon Belmont, who I think is also owned by Capcom. Konami. Oh, it's Konami. So yeah. owned by Konami, Mega Man owned by Capcom, Kid Icarus was a Nintendo game. Nintendo. So you'll see a lot of episodes in season three where it's just Kevin, Duke, the dog, and Princess Lana. And then sometimes you'll also have Kid Icarus in there too. And the rest of the crew is either gone or minimally there. And yeah. it, it, does, it doesn't make any sense why they wouldn't use the entire team to do these missions. They're just like, oh no, it's fine. We'll just go with these two. Like the characters' motivations are all different. The uh, the the character the character interactions are all different. Like you have characters that up until this point have been like super best friends with each other, and now they're bitching at each other and and arguing, and and personalities are different, and it doesn't make it doesn't make any sense. And it's like whoever was writing the third season of it of the show didn't watch the first two seasons, had no idea. Like like just was making up a new show on their own. They were given like the character designs and said, just make up personalities for these guys. And they're like, Oh, okay. Yeah. So overall season three is a dumpster fire. And I know, I think you said something to the effect of you have one show and another show. You have season one and two, which can be considered I said one it feels show. like specific. It feels distinctly like two separate shows. Mm-hmm. Like you've got captain and the game master season one and season two. And then you have, steaming flaming dumpster filled with shit yeah. uh, being pushed down the alley by a schizophrenic homeless person that's season three compared to season one and two yeah i i honestly season three of this show is worse than street sharks it's it is bad. it's worse than street sharks it's it's bad because, because you, you know what the potential is yeah we saw the potential season one and look look i'm not gonna parse words here See, this show is not a a a grand master, you know, piece of artwork. It, it is not the, the pinnacle of children's animated programming in the late eighties, early nineties, but it is a solid show season one and season two. It's not great, but it's solid. And then they take that and then they drop it into a flaming pile of shit. I don't know how or why they decided to do that. I get that it's to save money, but I mean, really, come on. Then don't produce the third season at all. Just stop. Yeah, and and you know? also there's no real resolution because the king is never returned. It's just like in Sonic Sat AM. The king is never returned. The show ends with Kevin staying in Video Land and uh, presumably uh, bedding down with uh, Princess Lana because... I, I guess. Because... Because he can't get home? Well, and also the the show, and this is one of the other things that Think I Think about this, bring. that means Kevin's having sex with a video game character. Well, he is a video game character. I wonder if his I wonder if his uh if his Do you think uh, it makes a one up noise when he's like No, I was gonna say I wonder I wonder if his semen is pixelated. Well, when people do die, they they pixelate and go <laughs> that's true, so who knows? I wonder if if people who die of old age do that too. They just disappear. Yeah. No, what <laughs> like, I, goodbye. I've lived a long and happy life. Grandpa's <laughs> gone. And then no and, funeral costs. So. But you know what? In the in the Mega Man episode that we watched, the Mega Trouble and Mega Land or whatever, uh-huh. you find out that Video Land utilizes lives because they get killed and then they come back at the beginning of the level. In Mega Man world. In Mega Man world. So, but not in the other world. Well, who's to say that that doesn't happen in all the other game worlds that have lives? That's a good question. But that's the only episode that that's ever mentioned. Yeah. So why doesn't everybody just go to Mega Land to die and then they get reborn? I don't know. You know what, though? This show did have a comic series, though. Where and this- that was one of the things that I wanted to bring up. Because when we were when we were talking about how it didn't seem like the writers of the third season had watched the first two seasons of the show. One of the things I wanted to bring up about the comic that I read is that in the comic, not a bunch o- of the characters aren't there. Well, a bunch of the characters aren't there, but there are characters. Princess Lana is still there. And Princess Lana is still just like in the car- cartoon is still a love interest for Kevin. What I'm noticing, he- it's the third party characters that are gone. So Simon and Mega Man, Dr. Wright, the count and Dr. Wiley are gone, but Samus Aaron, is in this. And she was never in the comics and man, she would have been an awesome character because she's a badass. And that's what I wanted to bring up. So in the con- or in the cartoon, you have Lana, Princess Lana, who is a love interest for Kevin. You also in the com and she's also in the comic book as a love interest for Kevin. 
But al- in the comics... In the comics, you yeah. also have a secondary character that you mentioned, Samus Aran from Metroid, who also serves as a love interest for Kevin. And they fight. Both the, both the, the two characters fight over his affection. Over his affection. Mm-hmm. So the, Which uh, apparently produces like the most interesting intera- character interactions in the comic series. Yeah, and one of the things that I read last night about the series is someone asked Jeffrey Scott, who was the, uh, was the writer for season one, someone asked him that, you know, why didn't you include Samus Aran in the show when you included mother brain from the same video game? Like why, like that would make sense. You know, you have Dr. Wily and Mega Man in the same game. You have right. Eggplant wizard and kid Icarus. You have uh, Simon Belmont and Dracula in a couple episodes. Why didn't you include Samus Aran? He apparently didn't know who that character was. And must have just pulled Mother Brain from like um like from a game some like from Metroid or maybe it was just like information about the game. I don't think he ever played the game. I think it was pulled from the initial concept because quote Mother Brain was uh, was the part of it was the remember in the initial concept that the mm-hmm. the uh, editor from Nintendo Power came up with Mother Brain was this thing or whatever and so I think he just took that concept yeah. without knowing the context of it so he had because the Nintendo Power guy would have got it hence why he put the name in there but the writer didn't understand because he didn't play it so he didn't know yes. so I think he just copy and pasted over the name without an understanding yeah. and then the animators said you know they kind of drew up the characters and everything else and they said Metroid Land, you know it's from uh, the planet Metroid or whatever. Yeah. But but he didn't get the context. Yeah. And and a lot of a lot of people or at least a lot of the comments that I read said like it would have been really cool to had Samus in the show because that's a that's a uh, Nintendo character and they a major one and a really cool kept, one. And that would have made for a that would have made for a pretty interesting dynamic in the show too because it would have been a con- a, a a thing that we hadn't seen before either. Yeah, because not we don't normally in these shows and I I feel like rarely too do we see this nowadays. You don't tend to see and I'm probably going to get contradicted about this. At least I don't recall seeing love triangles or or that type of situation where it's the guy being the object of two women's affection. I can't it's think usually of any the other, it's way the other way around. It's two guys going yep. after one girl. And on top of that, this would have been a strong female character not for the sake of putting one in but just because that's how it's written and she's a cool character. Yeah, and and Princess... it wouldn't have been a, it wouldn't have been shoehorned yeah. like like the problems that I've had with with uh with the little mermaid character being shoehorned in this yeah. wouldn't have been that this would have been like hey this is just a badass character and princess you lana know? isn't a like damsel in distress no. either she's a she is a fairly confident fairly assertive uh oh yeah ruler. No, she takes care she's, of business she's like zelda she and she and zelda are friends in the show yeah and and they act the same not she, helpless they're completely yeah. independent she takes charge she she grabs uh, I think it, at some points she grabs uh, Kevin's, Kevin's gun, gun and uses, and it, uses yeah. it to to shoot things. So she, she, you know, it would have made for an interesting dynamic. But they did get that in the comic, and I'm actually I haven't read the comic, and it came out around the same time as the show. I want to go back and reread that. I do too because I never read it. I don't I don't remember reading it. I just, just reading about it, reading about the comic sort of makes me want to to find out what happened. I guess the 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 comic itself uh sort of sits in the the rights are in limbo so uh you might have to find it uh by other means on the interwebs i'll i'll find it yeah i know i have a place but don't worry yeah the thing about this show is i feel like i feel like this is a a concept and a character that could absolutely work today because you know what this character really is this is kingdom hearts it is and kingdom hearts is a super super popular game yeah so so kingdom hearts essentially ripped off captain n and the game master that's what this is some rando character that that travels through the worlds of nintendo and in this and in that case it's uh square enix properties and disney Mm -hmm. properties why not do that all over again like it'd be the like the most perfect marketing but i'm not thinking just as as a as a show but also as a game it should be a side-by-side it could be it could be an action rpg and they could do it with the amiibos oh yeah like build up your team that would be so cool right so it would be like an action rpg with uh with ai controlled characters a la like uh, kingdom hearts or mass effect or something and you would travel out and you would do stuff within the video game worlds you go to you know i don't know mike tyson punch out land and then 
you'd go to, you know, I don't know, Sonic the Hedgehog Land because Sonic is now sub, uh, subsidized characters in Mario games. It is, yeah. So you could introduce a whole new and and remember this is the the, the shows could. the the games that they were using were games that were around in 1989 and 1990. So it's like Hubert and Marble Madness and stuff like that. Yeah, and think of how much time has passed and how many Nintendo properties have been added up until that point. How many new right. Nintendo games? How much animation has changed? Like the potential for this show. Which could then open this character to be put into uh, Smash Brothers. It's a really smart idea. And I I didn't see much on the internet about people talking about it. Because uh, I was kind of looking around. I didn't see anything. But my god. It's like the most prime, primed character and primed piece of property that they could just copy and paste with zero effort in the writing department. It's free real estate. It's free real estate. Yeah, it I don't know why you, I don't know why they wouldn't. So did uh did you show Eleanor the show? I did, and the first episode that I showed her was the season three episode that it was the highest rated. I showed it to her and she's like, Daddy, can we stop now? <laughs> Ten minutes and she was done. And that's an only an ep- eleven minute episode. <laughs> yeah, and this is from a kid who could sit and watch cartoons for like hours. So I showed her ten minutes of that third that that third season and she was done and i said you know what sweetie i just i have to watch one more for the show she's like oh this is for the podcast i was like yeah it's for the podcast she's like oh, okay so i put on one of the other episodes and we watched it's like dad can we watch another one of those it's like okay it's like did you like that she's like yeah it was much better than the other one mm-hmm. so if a four-year-old can can tell that one is crap and the other one isn't imagine how it would be for an adult so yeah. i would say Go back and watch this. Do not watch the third season at all. It is awful. It is terrible. There's no reason whatsoever to watch it. But the first and two, first and second seasons, absolutely watch those. Yeah, don't. I would say just assume that there's no season three. Like, there's literally yeah, no benefit. Pretend it doesn't exist. I mean, half of the episodes, more than half of the episodes in season three, are just repeats that are that are that are you've already seen that have been chopped down to eleven minutes. That's why when you go and you look the episodes up online, those chopped up episodes are not included. You only see yeah. the seven original episodes or whatever that are sort of uh, made for season three. So just just skip season three. Pretend it doesn't exist. Watched the first two seasons. So going back, did you like it? I did. I did too. I mean, I, I wanted to not like it. That's, I, I, w- I went into it not because I, I, I told you this because we said, you know what? These bad ones, we haven't done a bad one in a while, and it's fun. And I just and I want to rip on was, something. I just assumed that it was going to be bad. I mean, it's not great. No, but it's entertaining. It's entertaining, and there's in a way I wasn't expecting it to be. And the thing about this is that there's like a different nostalgia factor that. There's a different nostalgia factor that you don't get in a lot of other things because it's a double whammy. It's a show that you watched when you were younger, but it's also characters that you played in video games when you were younger too. So it's like a it's like a double whammy. And if they could if they could somehow harness that, I feel like they could have an amazing show on their hands. There's so yeah, there's a lot of opportunity here. I feel like missed opportunity that they really I mean, maybe don't even make it an animated series, just make it a game or something. But I mean, or make it like a CGI series. I could see it like a, like not not CGI, but more like computer animated. Yeah, yeah. no, like uh, the way that Elena of Avalor is done, or or one of those shows. Yeah, the new Sonic the Hedgehog show, Sonic Boom. Yeah, something like that. I, I absolutely think it could work today. I liked it. You liked it. I recommend yeah. it to everybody. Just don't watch season three. Oh it's, my god, it's, it's terrible, terrible and it's not worth it. So I think that'll do it this week. Yeah, we've. We've got, we do have more stuff coming. We got requests. We've got side projects. All if kinds you've of got other a, stuff. If you've got a terrible, terrible show that you remember from your youth that you want us to cover, let us know about it because I want to just do something that is so bad. Like, I want you to punish us. I want oh, it to no, be. No, you don't. I want it to be. I, I have a few on our list. There, there's a list that I made. I think it's in your, it's on your Google Drive that's shared with me. I copy and paste it and put it into our folder. Our, our shared work drive. Yeah. But I put, I put, uh, so uh, Sean and I do all of our show notes via Google drive. We've got like subfolders and all this. So there's a lot in there. Inside um, baseball. Inside, yeah, inside baseball. baseball. Um, but I, I have a list. It's like over a hundred different projects. And I'd say probably a third of those are like not great. I'm thinking like the Chuck Norris one and uh, the Rambo animated series and Hulk Hogan and, 
Yeah, there's some there's some not great stuff in there. The uh, what is the the Grimley one, the the Martin Short one? The Adventures of Ed Grimley. Yeah, it it is it is a treasure. Yeah, it is something. So if you got something terrible you want us to watch, and please go and put that out for us too. But we do have the rest of our requests we're working on. We have some collaboration stuff in the wind. So yeah, and if if you want to send those requests in, you can go over to our website childhoodremastered.com. You can uh, put a request in there on our contact page, or you can check us out on any of our social media that's listed there. We have a Reddit that we don't really use much, but it's there. But there's, there's some posts on it now. Yeah, there's stuff there, so yeah. go ahead and send stuff that yeah. way. Yeah, the Reddit is r slash uh, childhoodremastered. Yeah. And uh, you, you can, can send I think us... you can find Sean and I over there somewhere. Yeah. Uh, you can look up our post history and lurk if you want, I no, guess. No, don't do that. Yeah. Or no. do it, whatever. Or do it, yeah. uh, you can send us emails. Mine's all World of Warcraft stuff now, <laughs> so it's, it's fine. Mine... Mine's, uh, if you care about, or if you want to... if you Talk give about a, local California politics yeah, and Sean <laughs> ranting and getting angry. Uh, not all the time, but sometimes. Uh, yeah, most of the time. But uh, <laughs> if you uh, you can send us an email. You can send us uh, you can send us a voicemail if you want. we got a phone number on the website as well. Uh, we're also part of a podcast network called ACPN. Uh, that's acpnet.net. There's a bunch of cool shows on that network. There are uh, nostalgia shows and review shows and interview shows. And I think their website has a link for uh, merchandise too. Yes. If you want some of that stuff. You can check that out. But if you uh, if like you look at the design and you go, ah, oh, that looks cool, but maybe you want something else, uh, you can contact us directly because I have access to a guy. You got so a guy. I got a guy. Yeah. Because uh, I have shirts for us. So Huzzah. Yeah. So well, if, you, if you like... So our logo, but but you want it on something else, you could do that too. We're not like trying to show anything. I mean, we got, we got we got big boy jobs, but yeah. but you know this is, you know this is still fun. Yeah, this is still fun. So it's out there in case you want it. So. Yeah. So that I think will do it for this episode. Uh, this was fun. This episode yeah. was fun. Yeah. I I, I, I mean, some I, of it was painful, but it was overall but you know, it was I good. F- I feel you on the it's it's kind of nice to do the the crap shows because. You know, we could gush all day about Freakazoid and Animaniacs and DuckTales and hey, stuff. And, both, both, both. and that's fun for us to watch. Like, I mean, I watched way more Freakazoid than was required. I pretty much watched almost all of them. Yeah. But when we have to do these ones, it's it's sort of fun because we sort of rage back and forth with each other while yeah. we're watching them. Hey, so. both, both of us love MST3K. Yeah, And that's lot. what it turns into when I watch the bad ones. It's usually yeah. just me yelling at the screen. Yeah. And my wife sitting next to me because she started watching the shows with me yeah uh, mine just, does just, occasionally too just, and she gets irritated and yeah then... she'll just be in the room with me doing something else either reading a book or being on her phone but she'll occasionally pop her head up and go what the hell because i put it on the big tv now yeah i, do I don't too. just i don't just watch on my laptop yeah i put it on the big tv and my wife will say who whose fault is this i know <laughs> a lot of people's yeah like, you want the writers no she's like no the requester who did yeah. this to you it's like i don't know somebody put it in she's self-imposed like, she's like, why i was like uh because they want to punish us i don't know yeah cough street sharks <laughs> <laughs> well <laughs> so that'll do it this week yeah so uh until next time mrs sean and chris and this has been your childhood remastered we will see you next time mega cool Ridiculous! A kiss. What? <laughs> Cartilaginous. <laughs> That's the worst one.